You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Hi. Uh, good morning and welcome. It's Aaron here, and I'm delighted to be sharing uh, the word with you today. We're continuing on with our, our series, uh, Pursuing Happiness. And uh, today we are looking at Happy are the Merciful. And uh, this is found uh, in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus delivered the Beatitudes, and we're on verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And I believe God's word is very powerful. And although this is such a, a short portion of, of scripture, I believe it can actually uh, cause very powerful change in our spiritual lives. And uh, what I need for you to do is just to hang with me uh, real tight. Uh, well, I break down the verse and then I'll try to reassemble it and we'll look for some deep meaning and truth from it. So I've got some definitions, uh, just as, uh, uh, you know, a, a word for you that like to really dig into the, into the Bible. I, I've got some tools for my toolbox. Uh, one is a Strong's Concordance and I would highly recommend that to you. Uh, if you don't have a big book, uh, the, you can also look at BibleHub.com, and they've got a really excellent one on there. And for those of you who like commentaries, I, I'll just offer up BlueLetterBible.org. That has got some really great commentaries on it. So here we go into the Strongs. Uh, the word for merciful in Greek is Ella Amon. And you can see that that is an adjective or a describing word, and it means compassionate or merciful, acting consistently with the revelation of God's covenant. And uh, we have the word mercy is another very key word in this portion of scripture. And the word for uh, mercy in Greek is elaeo. And uh, that is a verb, so it's different. It's a different type of word. It's an action word. And it means a compassionate action by divine grace. And uh, we've, we've, got, we've had the words, if you're paying attention, we've had the word compassionate show up twice in our definition. So we, we better look at what is compassion and what is compassionate. So to have compassion means to empathize with someone who is suffering and to feel compelled to reduce the suffering. It's a fuller, truer definition than feelings alone, and it's a very biblical understanding. And then we have the word compassionate. If you are compassionate, you feel other people's pain and struggles as though they were your very own. And what's encouraging is that we know Jesus did this. He humbly uh, came to earth, although he was a king, he came to earth as in, in the form of a servant, in the form, in, form of a person, and uh, he is able to identify with our sufferings. So we, we see that um, 
uh, mercy is defined as being a, a compassionate action by grace. Um, so, so what is the difference exactly between grace and mercy? Uh, in an article entitled, What is the Difference Between Grace and Mercy? That makes sense, right? Uh, by Judy Ponio, she's, she says this, uh, Though often used interchangeably, grace and mercy uh, differ in many ways. In a nutshell, they are two sides of the same coin. Grace is a gift we don't deserve, while mercy is not getting the punishment we deserve. Um, still a little bit confusing? Well, in the dictionary, grace is defined as courteous goodwill, meaning it's not asked for or deserved, but it's freely given. Mercy, on the other hand, is uh, the compassion and kindness shown to someone by one who has the power to punish or harm the other. It is an act meant to relieve someone from their suffering. And uh, she finishes the article with this, with this, uh, this, um, this thing, uh, this quote, sorry. Can I have that quote pop up again there? No, that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. Um, so if I were to give you a story, just that you'll need your imagination with this, but this will explain the difference a little bit. So in uh, COVID, we had the closure of gyms and stuff like that. So you got to imagine you had the best home gym uh, during the pandemic to be able to get this illustration. Okay. So just suppose that you were smashing weights all, all throughout COVID and, uh, you're feeling strong. Okay. And you're, you're ready for this story. So now suppose someone has attempted to rob your house or break into your house. Uh, but you've learned that they've been going through a really tough time, this robber and you didn't harm them. Uh, but they could tell by looking at you, it wouldn't be a good idea to rob the, your house. Okay. Because you're, you're jacked. So instead of calling the police, you choose to pardon them or, or let the, let the matter go. You just said, forget about it. I'll let it slide. That's mercy. But on top of that, what you did is you felt bad for them. So you said, Hey, you know what? I understand you're going through a hard time. So here's some food for my cupboards and here's some cash that I've got on, on hand. And that's grace, okay? And uh, that quote again was this. Uh, so Judy finishes the article with this, and it's a very timely thing in our world. In a world where mistakes are swiftly punished, we've seen this, you know, cancel culture thing where if somebody makes a mistake, they're jumped on, and it's, it's game over. Um, and goodwill is only for the worthy, Grace and mercy are an absolute necessity. And uh, when I look at uh, the parable of the unforgiving servant, I see my need. Uh, I see my need for grace and mercy. And uh, we all have a need for grace and mercy. So let's, let's read this parable together and see if you can identify with some of the characters uh, in this story. So it's found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 to 35. 
And Jesus said this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents or about 20 years of laborer's wages. That's a serious tax bill. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him about a hundred denarii or one or two days of wages. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And uh, what's very important is having a healthy Christian identity. This is very essential. And this actually comes through the Holy Spirit's revelation to us. And that can come many different ways. But we we re get re uh, truth revealed to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. And it connects me with the reality of who I am in Christ. And this parable is fantastic because it actually provides us with solid perspectives on the positions and roles of its participants. God is the Almighty King. He is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. And people are His subjects. We're, we can't be, all, we're not all powerful everywhere and all knowing. Only, only God is. Uh, the agreement or covenant uh, to forgive the unforgiving servant was actually made by the king. And it was made to his servant from the king. It wasn't the servant's truth, rather, rather, it was the king's truth on the king's terms. The king held the power to make it effective, and he also held its guarantee. And when I look at this parable, I actually can relate to the great debtor. And uh, you say, that's strange for a pastor, maybe, to be able to relate to the great debtor. But I've got a story for you, and maybe you'll see me in a little different light here. So I had gone out with my wife in 2002 uh, to be a missionary. That was a little while ago, but um, it doesn't feel that long ago. And uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were actually the world champions back then. They had just won the Super Bowl, and they're 
champs right now under the guidance of a wonderful field general, Tom Brady. Um, but I had this black Tampa Bay Buccaneers t-shirt and it had this beautiful orange logo across the front that was a Bucks logo. And, uh, it, it was very vicious because they're, the Buccaneers are, are pirates, right? So it was, it, you know, it had the full skull and sword in the mouth. Like it was vicious. And it was a, it was, I loved the thing. There's there's this one lady on on TV I know that uh well I've heard of her that she says uh hang on to something and uh and see if it gives you joy. Well, that was the type of t-shirt this was, okay? I could hang on to that or put it on and I could feel joy, okay? If that's you, guess what? You're in the cult of consumerism, okay? You need to let that go, but that was me, okay? So I had uh, done my laundry and I put this t-shirt out to dry and, uh, you know, I came back for it and guess what? It was gone. It was, I, it was nowhere to be found. And I was just walking around one day and I saw somebody with my t-shirt on and I approached them and it was this poor young Haitian guy. And I said, you're wearing my t-shirt and something should have clicked in me, but it didn't. And that was that, uh, like an, an average annual wage there is about $300 in a year. And, uh, a wage here is much different. And uh, I could have chosen to be merciful. And instead, I'd rather get my T-shirt back. So I asked the guy, take the T-shirt off and give me the T-shirt. And uh, that that's a, a huge blunder that I made and something that I, I felt terrible about in hindsight. But... Sometimes we go through life and we, we actually hopefully learn from our mistakes, but we're full of mistakes and we're, we're full of things and wrongs and stuff like that, which means that we are in need of grace and mercy. And, uh, so there, there you go. That's a kind of a horrific story that I've told you, but uh, hopefully you'll recover and you'll be able to receive the rest of, of, of what I believe God is speaking to us today. So many times, as I've just illustrated, I've fallen short of, uh, of God and his standards. And uh, his standards are perfect. He is perfect. And we, we actually can't meet those standards. My selfishness, my way, not God's, or sin has actually separated me from God himself. In the, and the, the, um, I guess the gulf between us was so great that it was only God himself who is perfect. He's the only one that could bridge that gap. And he did that in the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, this happened through Jesus's sacrificial death on your and my behalf. And he, Jesus paid an uh, unpayable debt. To me, it was unpayable, and he paid that debt. And I, it, because of that, I've actually gone from being a great debtor. I've gone from that to being a person who is a person with unmerited favor. And I have, I have the favor of God in my life. In fact, um, Jesus, when I accepted him through faith, by faith, 
That's all that he asks, that we accept what he, his work by faith. And it's his work of mercy by, by faith. Uh, the moment we did this, we're born again. We become new creations, it tells us in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17. And we're the sons and daughters of God. We're part of God's family. And we actually have God's spirit living within us. And just as a tip for you that like to or want to share the gospel, the gospel actually usually has three essential components. And they're sin, which is the problem, savior, and salvation. And that's just something that you can keep as, as, as a hopefully helpful tip to you when you're sharing your faith. But, um, there's, there's, um, something productive about, uh, ha- having a healthy Christian identity. And, uh, in fact, it's the produce or what grows or what springs from uh, having a healthy Christian identity. And there's a famous evangelist whose name is Billy Graham. And he had this to say, God's mercy and grace give me hope for myself and for our world. And that's a very powerful statement that um, out of of God's mercy and grace, I now have the ability to hope. And I have become a person with a hope and a future. Uh, God is for me, not against me. I have hope in this life and in the next. My future is a heavenly and eternal one. The words that I speak actually are powerful and can bring encouragement, hope, and life to others. I also have the ability to forgive. And this is, this is a very big one. I've seen unforgiveness as an incredibly strong hang up in many people's lives. And it's actually got a powerful hold on people where it actually has broken down relationships that they have with loved ones or with friends and completely destroyed those relationships. And if you've been wrong, do you know, uh, the pain of this? And you also know the difficulty of letting it go. Um, but Jesus is telling you today that you've actually been in that position. You've been a great debtor and that you've been greatly forgiven. And uh, because of that, uh, and because you actually carry his presence and power to forgive, um, you can forgive. In fact, the forgiven are called to forgive. So I'd like to encourage you with that today. And uh, through Christ, we also have the uh, power for a non-action. And this is the power, the ability to not pick up offenses. So when something, when I'm wronged now as a believer, guess what? I have the power not to pick that thing up and hang on to it. In fact, I can just let it be. And that's, that's an incredible ability. Uh, the third ability is the ability to live graciously. And uh, this has lots of uh, actions and non-actions as well. So I should be moved by compassion into action uh, when I see others hurting or in need. I can be fearle- fearlessly generous. I have that ability because I've received so much from Christ. And in fact, I can't outgive Christ. Christ has it all. He owns it all. The universe is his. 
I can honor authorities in my life, even though they might not be perfect. And this is a big one. How, how many of us struggle with the government or how many of us struggle with our bosses? Right. But I, I need to be a person who honors uh, those with authority in my life. How about this one? I can withhold from talking about other people's short, shortcomings. That's actually gossip. And uh, in fact, I can redirect conversations when I, I come across them and they're, they're gossip conversations, I can redirect them. Or maybe when the conversation I'm in starts taking a turn towards gossip, maybe I can redirect it away from that. And uh, that's something I feel responsible for what I'm a part of in, in the conversations I take part in. I can also show restraint and refrain from expressing, uh, maybe a, in a reactive way, uh, expressing in word or action what I feel someone deserves. And just to give you an example of this that maybe you can relate to, I travel on the 401. That is a very, very busy and sometimes nasty highway. And uh, any of you who are on it, you know what I'm talking about. So, when I come home, it's usually very busy and uh, it's right around four o'clock. So it's, it's as busy as it gets. And there's an expressway. The beautiful thing about where I live in Kitchener is that there's an expressway from the 401 right and it turns right into King Street. And I just have a short turn off of that street and I'm home. But what happens is the lane next to that lane, like I'm, I'm in the fast lane and that's the one that turns into King Street. Cause that's, that's just how I roll. I love the fast lane. <laughs> but, but sometimes there's somebody that'll go down that as far as they can. I've noticed this out in Mississauga too, as the lanes cut down and you're headed out towards Melton that the lanes cut down and there's people trying to go as far as they can. Uh, you know, quickly, even though they're not intending to stay in that lane, they're, they're supposed to be in another lane. And uh, there's uh, Highway 78, which is next to the fast lane. And that lane is very slow and clogged because there's a lot of people traveling that way. And I'll be cruising down in my fast lane because I'm headed to King Street. And guess what? There's a whole bunch of people in my fast lane and they're trying to shift over into this crowded lane. And they've they've actually you know, they're doing something they know they shouldn't really be doing because they're supposed to be going somewhere else and they're holding me up. So I could really let them know how I feel. I could lay on the horn. I could, you know, shake my fist or give a finger gesture or something. But I don't think that that's what God would have me to do. I just don't. And uh, sometimes having patience, sometimes having restraint and stuff, self-control, it's a, it's a really powerful thing. In fact, uh, when people see that you have restraint, when you're not frustrated by things that should frustrate you, it's a very powerful witness to them that Jesus is real. The, the God you're serving, uh, there's something to him because that is very real and powerful. So when we look back, I'm going to turn back now to our, our text. And when we contextualize uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We see that Jesus was talking to the Galileans. They were Israelites and they were the people of God. 
And I think he was saying uh, something he says in another portion of scripture in, in Matthew 12, verse 7. He says this, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Um, I don't need you to be so focused on sacrifice because I've provided the sacrifice. In fact, I am the sacrifice. And um, what I want for you, Jesus is saying, is for you to show compassion to those who are around you, those who are in desperate need of it, whether they're inside the church or outside of it. And um, often the best Christian I am, I realize, is the one that comes to church. That's, that's often the best Christian I am because I am sacrificing. I'm giving my time. I, I'm giving my money and I'm giving my talents through serving. But how am I doing in caring for, loving and treating people in the other 112 hours of the week? Because that's assuming you sleep eight hours. That's what's left. And, um, what I'm not saying is that we throw out the the stuff we're doing sacrificing and serving that's not what i'm saying at all what i'm saying is maybe we need to to get the balance right or or pick up our our mercy our action of mercifulness and and our graciousness maybe we need to pick that up so so that is powerful and this this happens as we we get together with with the king and um when we look at Jesus's position, uh, we can examine it. And uh, in Matthew 5, verses 1 and 2, it says this, He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, he opened his mouth and taught them. And his position on the summit was one of authority and lordship. A king sits on the throne, not, you know, up high. Um, yet it was also one marked with humility. And the traditional location of the Mount of the Beatitudes is actually has a negative altitude. Uh, he's sitting on this mountain, but it's actually 25 meters below sea level. And it's still uh, 200 meters above the Sea of Galilee. And that actually makes it one of the lowest summits uh, in the world. And I, I just think of the contrast when, when Satan tempted Jesus and he took him up to this high, high place. And Jesus was probably thinking, you know nothing about who I am or what my kingdom is like. And uh, I, I see Jesus, he's, he has his position, but he's a very humble king. And I believe God's desire is uh, for me to take that grace and mercy that I have received and that you have received and with his heart, allow his mercy to be the thing that defines you to others. Uh, let's pray together. God, let's say this together. Uh, God, I thank you for Jesus's action of mercy on my behalf. In light of this, May I be filled with your mercy and willing to lay myself down to serve others with compassion and grace. May my actions and non-actions be pleasing to you and consistent with your covenant to me. And let merciful be my reputation. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, 
visit our website at everynationgta.org.